Well, hello, church family. Welcome back to another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. I am Pastor Scott. I'm Pastor Tyson. And we are here to break down this past Sunday's sermon that Pastor Tyson brought us from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, entitled Life Before Christ. So, Tyson, you, uh, we finally made our way out of Ephesians chapter 1, and you brought us into chapter 2, which in many ways feels like it is a brand new, you know, it's a brand new chapter. It feels like it's a whole new line of thinking. And you you actually helped us understand that this is a, a flow of thought actually still kind of going off of uh, Paul's prayer here. It's not necessarily part of his prayer, but it is just a flow of continuous thought that is going in here. So uh, help us again understand what is, what is Paul doing in this passage? Why is he bringing up the subject of spiritual death and what does that play in uh, the whole scheme here of his letter yeah so in in, when you preached scott you preached at the very end of chapter one and and paul is praying and you point out to the two major things that he's praying for at the end of chapter one is that we would better understand essentially all the spiritual blessings Mm -hmm. that are in chapter one and he condenses all that down into two things. He says, um, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Uh, or in other words, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And then the second thing is, and what is the immeasurable greatness mm-hmm. of his power toward us who believe? And then he goes on to describe that power. It's the same power that he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead, and seating him at his right hand. Yeah. And so in flowing with that thought, then he goes on to, in chapter 2, explain how that power mm-hmm. it was manifested in our lives. So he's kind of helping us grow in our understanding of, of that hope and mm-hmm. the knowledge of that hope and understanding of that, uh, how God has shown that Im, um, immeasurable power toward us who believe and so, but he sets it up though, just uh, in order to understand that power, you have to understand where you were at mm-hmm. before God showed you that power. Um, so he he kind of starts off with the bad news um, before we can fully understand the good news. Gotcha. And you kind of see the connection because then he it, it's just not until verse five where you see similar mm-hmm. language, um, but he says even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive with God. God made us alive together mm-hmm. with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and mm-hmm. seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's the same language used at the end of chapter 1, yep. speaking of Christ. Um, Christ was raised up and seated in heavenly places mm-hmm. at the right hand of the Father. So, this, again, there's that. This, this, mm-hmm. that's the connection there. You see that same power that raised Christ, Christ up also raised us up. So yeah, this is really kind of like uh, an extension of those two ideas kind of playing off of what does that power of Christ look like and especially that power of Christ to raise and to make alive, which is important for this passage here because the very opening line of it is you were dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You were you were dead in particular in your trespasses and sins. And so you talked about how this is not about a physical death because so much of this here talks about then a lifestyle and a living. So it's not actually talking about a physical death, but spiritual death that we inherited from um, from our, our forefathers, particularly from Adam. Um, so... This is a 
naturally, uh, verses 1 through 3 is a little bit more of a, uh, some might say, downer of a passage. It's definitely a uh, a, a condemnation against uh, mankind, and in particular our own hearts and lives. So why is it that we... Why is it that we struggle to accept maybe what Paul's writing about here? We love getting to verses 4 through 10. We love seeing that, but verses 1 through 3 is, is kind of icky in our mind. So why do we have trouble accepting that? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, if for any music nerds out there listening, it's, it's almost like a concerto. Yeah, usually a concerto has three movements. It has a fast movement, and the middle one's a slow, and then it ends with a fast. And so... Verses mm-hmm. one through three are kind of like the slow movement, and it's uh-huh. just like a little more somber. But the, then you get to end with a fast. So we really focused on that really slow, slow and somber movement you know, mm-hmm. on on Sunday. Um, but it's kind of a hard. This passage could be a bit of a hard pill to swallow at times because it, um, well, it, it really goes against our pride. Um, even as believers, we still you know, can struggle with viewing ourselves, you know, better than we ought to, uh, even in, in maybe even whitewashing our past mm-hmm. before Christ a little bit. Um, so it, it can, it's, uh, it's a basing, you know, it's, it's humbling in that sense to kind of mm-hmm. pull back the curtain and be like, oh, this is, this is what we were really like. Um, we're not used to describing ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing would be maybe personal experience. I think uh, all of us, uh, you know, uh, upon conversion, maybe most of us anyways, um, didn't really, weren't saved with this understanding right mm-hmm. off the bat. So we didn't, when we heard the gospel, we, we, we recognized our sinfulness, rightfully so, recognized God's holy, righteous wrath against us and our need for a savior, and, and we were... In our understanding, it was accurate, mm-hmm. but it wasn't full. Mm-hmm. And as we grow as believers, we grow in this greater knowledge and understanding of what we were truly like, just like we grow in knowledge of all other things scriptural. When we're first saved, we don't have a mm-hmm. full understanding of everything in the Bible. Um, so it's not to say that we were wrong in our thinking or anything like that, but this just really gets deeper into it. But I think the, the, the a third thing that makes this uh, a little bit hard to swallow at first is um, we look at all the rest of Scripture mm-hmm. and we see commands to respond to Jesus uh, in faith, uh, mm-hmm. in obedience. Um, you know, just one that comes off the top of my head is like um, Matthew 11, where in 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me all who are weak and heavy laden and i will give you rest so mm-hmm. so we, we see that and we say okay well now now all of a sudden this passage is saying we're dead and well, that means we're unresponsive to god and we can't respond to him mm-hmm. unless he does something first so how does that how does that work with all mm-hmm. the, the commands of scripture mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely uh tension there we've talked about in recent weeks and yet there's no tension in God's mind of how that actually works and we have to like recognize as we've talked about in recent weeks that there still has to be a first actor right and that the scriptures are true that we are dead and you did a really good job helping illustrate this you know you're talking about the you know poor kids who were thinking about their dead dog in service yesterday but <clears throat> thinking about like just the unresponsive nature <clears throat> of a dead person or a dead animal like to respond it's uh 
it cannot happen apart from life being imparted to it and you know it's it's definitely it's a fascinating thing because it's uh when we think about these doctrines or we think about passages like ephesians 2 1 through 3 um think about how you know so much of the these things are actually incorporated into a lot of the songs that we sing um you know as even just as i was thinking about and processing here thinking about the the song we've seen uh in recent weeks by um city of light of uh, you save my soul right mm-hmm. talk about and part of that song where it's talking about how what was once dead is now alive you gave to me the breath of life you uh pull me up out from the grave right like this mm-hmm. is exactly the language that mm-hmm. paul is using here and we have you know we enjoy seeing these things and uh really reflecting on them in the song but then all of a sudden it's like when we come to our personal study and we think about it, we're like oh i don't like that <laughs> and so there can be uh there can be a disconnect sometimes in our you know what we maybe will proclaim maybe even in song but then when we actually think about what we are thinking about it, we're like "Ooh, actually is that really am i do i accept that for what it's saying and recognize well that's the reason i can sing that's the reason i can mm-hmm. uh praise god and shout forth uh, the glories of his salvation to others i think a really important thing we, we talked about this in the last sermon podcast too but from a, from a different uh, aspect uh, but one of the things that oh we causes the wrestling in our hearts is um look whether we're looking at something from man's perspective or god's perspective Mm -hmm. and so we have to remember as we read scripture sometimes the bible talks about things from man's perspective Mm -hmm. and sometimes the bible talks about things from god's perspective helpful yeah and so we have to recognize that there you know like when i talked about our personal experience we're thinking when we think about our conversion Mm -hmm. story and when we first believed and when god and when we first started understanding things we started to follow christ repent and believe mm-hmm. we're thinking very much from our perspective and our experience but then here ephesians 2 reminds us of uh, god's perspective and, and really helps us zoom out mm-hmm. uh and see the bigger fuller picture of what was going on mm-hmm. um you know i think like last week we talked about it from uh like the the perspective like does does god change his mind mm-hmm. um from man's perspective it seems like that you know mm-hmm. you go to like exodus and and god says hey, moses step aside i'm going to destroy all the people um because of their sin and mm-hmm. and moses intercedes for them and prays and asks god not to do it and he and he and he relents yeah mm-hmm. it's like oh see god changed his mind well it's like well, it depends on are you looking at from man's perspective or god's perspective so mm-hmm. i think same thing here with uh with uh, when it comes to salvation um, well, God's perspective, we were fully dead, and so that's where we have to submit our hearts um, to see it from God's worldview, to see it from God's perspective, and 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 interpret down from God, not interpret God from our position, not bring God down to our position. Yeah. So you uh, you gave a lot of practical things for us to think about at the end of the sermon as to how a passage like this maybe just shapes the way we think in a number of ways and alluded to it a few times here but one of the first ways that maybe it impacts our thinking is just the way we talk about our testimony so um maybe you could share a little bit more about that because we probably have seen our fair share of uh of testimonies over the years and whether believe or good intention but we'll sometimes maybe overlook kind of the way that Ephesians paints our uh our sinful condition and 
um, maybe dress it up a little bit more than what it actually is. So how does this thing, you know, shape the way that we tell our testimonies? Are we, you know, are we just making ourselves look like the worst possible person ever then? Is that the appropriate response? Or how do we think about uh, just shaping the way we we share our story with others for mm-hmm. those of us who have been saved and who are trusting in Christ? Yeah, uh, that, that's a good question. So, like, um, you did ma- you mentioned something there at the end of, like, you know, do are, are we supposed to describe ourselves as the worst person possible ever? <laughs> And um, no, 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 not necessarily. So there was a really good um, illustration from a commentator I read. I didn't have time to share it in the sermon. But uh, that's that's one reason why some people might struggle with a passage like this. Is like, is this saying that I'm the worst possible person ever? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Uh, the way the, the commentator said it's like, you, you imagine you're on a battlefield and you see a bunch of corpses there are different stages of decay, mm-hmm. but they're all equally dead. And so there are different stages of sinful decay in our lives. And, you know, the, you know somebody who's a murderer obviously is at a different level of moral decay than mm-hmm. somebody who's never murdered. Um, you know, uh, but I, am equally, I was equally dead mm-hmm. in God's eyes. Um, according to God's standard, as that person who murdered or the person who rapes or, Mm -hmm. you know, all those kinds of awful things we can think of. So it's not to say when we talk about being spiritually dead that you're the worst person possible, that you've done all the worst things, Mm -hmm. you're just... But it is to say that we are completely, um, you know, dead and unresponsive uh, in God's eyes. So I think that's an important distinction uh, Mm -hmm. and balancing point. But when it comes to our testimony... um, you know, I think we just want to be really careful with um, who's the center focus of our testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the biggest like filter to think through. Um, I've spent a lot of time over the years just uh, helping people think through, like particularly when they're getting ready to be baptized, mm-hmm. help people think to, through how to how to explain their testimony, and mm-hmm. and even when we talk to people just maybe about missions and evangelism, we'd always maybe encourage people to be able to share a, a quick version of their testimony or a mm-hmm. or a long version depending on context and time. Mm-hmm. And so there's it's not just for when people do baptisms mm-hmm. that they share their testimony, but just like being able to explain. Um, and share the joy of what God did in your life yeah. so that you can share with people the hope that they could have if they were to trust in the Lord as well. Oh. So, yeah, but I think that's the central question is who's the central figure? Mm-hmm. What's the goal of your testimony? Is it to talk about you or is it to talk about God and mm-hmm. what he has done in your life? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would always encourage people to even not just look at Ephesians 2, but I always actually look at Titus 3 mm-hmm. as well. We looked at one verse from it on um, on Sunday, but the but Titus 3 follows a very similar format to Ephesians 2, where he says in verse 3, talking about the bad news first, before Christ, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. So there's nothing there in that, that verse that really like is like, oh, you were the worst person ever, and mm-hmm. you know, but, but it doesn't paint a pretty picture either. Mm-hmm. This is a characterization of what we were like, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's very broad in its scope. We were all foolish, although it's to different degrees, disobedient, led astray. Mm-hmm. We were all enslaved to various passions and pleasures, they were, but they were different. We are all different in those passions and pleasures. 
passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And then you have the same kind of Ephesians 2 language. But mm-hmm. when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the mm-hmm. washing of regeneration and the renewal mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Mm-hmm. So again, just throughout that passage and all of Ephesians 2, which you know Pastor Kevin's going to preach on the rest of it when he, gets, mm-hmm. when he returns, it's all focused on God. Mm-hmm. He's the central thing. So I think in our um, personal testimonies, we want to make sure that... Mm-hmm. Um, with the emphasis never on an action that we do, mm-hmm. but on the action of God, just that, like the text. That's really helpful, yeah. And I, I think that you know, when I look at a passage like Ephesians 2, I think it just helps us understand better sin as it relates to our own personal lives, too. And so, yeah, it's not that we're the, we are the worst sinner that ever was, but it's also a way of saying, like, we have a right understanding of our sin to God, right? Like, this is what Paul talked about in his testimony in First Timothy chapter 1. I always think about the way he says it in verse 15. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now, does that mean Paul is the worst sinner who ever existed? Absolutely not. But that's just Paul and his own self-reflection saying like, yeah, like I have a better awareness of my sin than anybody else does <laughs> other than God himself, right? Like I'm not comparing it to what other people's sins are like. I just recognize for my sin what it is to God and it helps me then glorify in the fact of what he has saved me to. And, you know, I don't know how many times we've had, uh, we've had, young people who are getting baptized and, you know, we talk to them about writing their testimony and it's not uncommon for, you know, some people to say, well, I don't really have a story. Like, I don't really have a testimony. Like I grew up in church my whole life. And, you know, (laughs) I remember years ago, a Christian comedian who was just joking about the fact of like, oh man, I don't have a testimony. Like, oh man, like this, this person just came up, they were addicted to crack and all this things. And he's like, but I don't have a testimony. (laughs) Like, thanks God. Like, (laughs) it's like, and yet sometimes we are like that where it's just like, well, I grew up in church my whole life. Like I heard, you know, the gospel consistently, but you know, and, and had a Christian family and which first of all, that's like, praise God. That's his Mm -hmm. grace, right? Like that's his grace on you there. But the scripture is very clear still about what your soul was until God did change you. Like that's, you were, you were dead. You were amongst all these. It doesn't, there's not a tier level here. You were just as dead as anybody else was. Like what Jesus calls the Pharisees, right? The religious preachers Mm -hmm. of the day, they were whitewashed tombs. Mm -hmm. So they, on the outside looked good, but the inside Mm -hmm. they were still full of death. Yeah. It's, uh, I really always discouraged if people feel like their testimony is not, um, mm -hmm. worth sharing because it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not as, I would always, the language I would use is dramatic. Dramatic, (laughs) It's not as dramatic as someone who is like, oh, I was dying. I was on drugs, almost overdosed. I was in the alley and somebody handed me a gospel tract and then God changed me right then and there. That's awesome. Yeah. Not everybody's Mm -hmm. conversions a Damascus road (laughs) experience, you know, even like Mm -hmm. uh, Saul's, but, uh. But that mm-hmm. does not make it any less miraculous and mm-hmm. powerful based on Ephesians 2 description mm-hmm. of what we all were like. Yeah. 
Yeah, you think about, I mean, it's so funny to me because, yeah, you just talked about there the conversion experience of somebody like Paul and then one of Paul's spiritual children, somebody like Timothy, who it's like, you know, I had a faithful mom, a faithful grandma, like they were, you know, teaching me the scriptures from the time I was a youth and God used that and worked in my heart. Like two guys who were working side by side ministry and their testimonies from that perspective, from a human perspective, look very different, very radical. And yet from God's perspective here, they are both miraculous acts of grace that have been manifest in their lives. So it's a, it's a joy. I'm excited for us to, to unpack the, the second half of uh, this particular section here that we're in as pastor Kevin comes back in a few weeks to do that. But this week we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus. So we're going to dangle this out there Mm. for you. So you're going to have to, be excited to come back in a few weeks to hear it, but we really want you to be back this Sunday because this Sunday we have a special treat for you as we have one of our Go partners, Phil Underheil, who serves as a global outreach partner in the Hawaiian Islands, who is going to be both preaching God's word in first and second service, as well as giving kind of a ministry update and opportunity to hear about his ministry uh, to the whole church in the 930 uh ADE hour. So we'd love for you guys to to be a part of all those things on Sunday. Be a part of it. Be praying for Phil. Uh, You will be blessed by his ministry, and we're looking forward to it together. So thank you, church, for your time this morning, and we'll look forward to seeing you again here in a few weeks. God bless.